everyone, welcome to Tangents on Cracked Spines, My Little Bookworms. I have merch! Um, yes, it is a sweater, but I live in a place where, you know, last week it was in the 90s, and this week it's like 50 degrees outside and damp. So, well, no, normally I wouldn't wear a sweater when it's 50. It's damp. And it's a really lightweight sweater. And for those that aren't watching, it says Tangents on Cracked Spines with an open book underneath of it. And it comes in black with white lettering. And I really like it. It's soft. It's comfy. I didn't mean to start off with merch. That really was not my intention. All right, bookworms. <laughs> Welcome to Tangents on Cracked Spines. We all know that I'm scattered by now. Um, but you know what? There's 20 of you out there that enjoy my scatteredness. And I love each and every one of you. Um, yes, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> so... I forgot my headset again. One of these days I will start with my headset on so that the audio is clear from the beginning. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, this mess is narrated by your host, myself, Frankie. It is unedited commentary and readings of works in the public domain. Uh, with that being said, if the name didn't tip you off, please be, uh, aware that there's a lot of adult content. Even though public domain works are old, there's a lot of death and violence. So, listener discretion is very much advised. We are currently reading, um... A nonsense anthology, which you wouldn't think would require the same level of discretion as Frankenstein or The Invisible Man or Lovecraftian works. There, last week was all sorts of death and violence and ship faring. These are, can be. The, the, these poems range from incredibly whimsical to absolutely terrible. So, I cannot stress enough, listener discretion advised, especially for those 13 and under. What, Tiggy? I'm letting you live, sleep on my pillow. So let us begin, now that I've rambled for three and a half minutes, with The Rollicking Mastodon. A rollicking mastodon lived in Spain in the trunk of a tranquil tree. His face was plain, but his jocular vein was a burst of the wildest glee. His voice was strong and his laugh so long that people came many a mile and offered to pay a guinea a day for the fractional part of a smile. 
The rollicking Macedon's laugh was wide, indeed, twas a matter of family pride. And oh, so proud of his jocular vein was the rollicking Macedon over in Spain. I know what a jugular vein is. Um, if jocular is an actual thing, let me know for those who know more about human anatomy. The rollicking Macedon said one day, I feel that I need some air. For a little ozone's a tonic for bones as well as a gloss for the hair. So he skipped along and warbled a song in his own triumphant way. His smile was bright and his skip was light as he chirruped his roundelay. The rollicking Macedon tripped along and sang what Macedons call a song. But every note of it seemed to pain the rollicking Macedon over in Spain. A little pituco came over the hill, dressed up in a boilant coat. And he said, you need some haraway seed and a little advice for your throat. The Macedon smiled and said, my child, there's a chance for your taste to grow. If you polish your mind, you'll certainly find how little, how little you know. The little pituco, his teeth he ground, at the Macedon's singular sense of sound, for he felt in a sort of a musical stain on the rollicking Macedon over in Spain. Alas, it, alas, it come to this pass, said the little pituco. Dear me, it certainly seems your horrible screams intended for music must be. The Macedon stopped and murmured, Good morning, my dear. I never will sing to a sensitive thing that shatters a song with a sneer. The rollicking Macedon bade him adieu. Of course, t'was a sensible thing to do, for little Pitucle is spared the strain of the rollicking Macedon over in Spain. Arthur Macy. <laughs> Song literally about somebody caterwauling. The Silver Question. And if this, those who are watching, if it's going wah, 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 I apologize. For some reason, it's just... I could not get it focused the way I wanted it to, and it's not staying still. The Silver Question The sun appeared so smug and bright one day that I made bold to ask him what he did each night with all his surplus gold. He flushed uncomfortably red and would not meet my eye. I travel around the world, he said, and traveling rates are high telling me. With frigid glance I pierced him through, he squirmed and changed his tune. Said he, I will be frank with you, I lend it to the moon. Poor thing, you know she's growing old and hasn't any folk. She suffers terribly from the cold and half the time she's broke. That evening on the beach I lay behind a lonely dune, and as she rose above the bay I buttonholed the moon. Tell me about that gold, said I. I saw her features fall. You see, it's useless to deny the sun has told me all. Sir, she exclaimed, how can you try an honest moon this way? As for the gold, I put it by against a rainy day. I smiled and shook my head. All right, if you must know, she said. Oh, all right, if you must know, she said, I change it into silver bright wherewith to tip the sea. He is so faithful and so good, a de most deserving case. If he should leave, I fear it would be hard to fill his place. When asked if they accepted tips, the waves became so rough, 
I thought of those at sea in ships and felt I'd said enough. For if one virtue I have learned to tact, so I forbore to press the matter, though I burned to ask one question more. I hate a scene and do not wish to be mixed up in gales, but oh, I long to ask the fish whence came their silver scales. Oliver Herfora. Welcome to Nonsense. Podcast. The singular sangfroid of baby bunting. Oh my. Bartholomew Benjamin Bunting had only three passions in life, each a dame, and one of the trio was hunting, the others his babe and his wife. And always so rigid his habits, he frolicked at home until two, and then started hunting for rabbits and hunted till fall of the dew. Belinda Bologna Bunting, th thus widowed for half the day, her duty maternal confronting with baby would patiently play. When thus was her energy wasted, a patented food she dispensed. She had bought it the day that they pasted the posters all over her fence. But Bonaparte Buckingham Bunting, the infant thus blindly adored, replied to her worship by grunting, which showed he was brutally bored. Twas little he cared for the troubles of life like a crab on the sands, from his sweet little mouthy blue bubbles and threatened the air with his hands. Bartholomew Benjamin Bunting one night and his wife let him in, as his wife let him in, produced as the fruit of his hunting a cottontail's velvety skin, which seeing young Bonaparte wriggle, he gave him without demur, and the babe with an aqueous giggle, he swallowed the whole of the fur. Belinda Bologna Bunting behaved like a consummate loon, her offspring in frenzy confronting. She screamed herself, mottled maroon. She felt of his vertebrae spinal, expecting he'd surely succumb, and gave him one vigorous final, hard prod in the pit of his tongue. But Bonaparte Buckingham Bunting, at first but a trifle perplexed, by a change in his manner of grunting, soon showed he was horribly vexed. He displayed not a sign of repentance, but spoke in a dignified tone. The only consecutive sentence he uttered, "'Twas, let me alone." The moral, the parent that uses precaution, his folly regrets, and an infant gets all that he chooses, and infant chooses all that he gets. And colics he constantly has them, so long as his food is the best, but he'll swallow with never a spasm what ostrich couldn't, ostriches couldn't digest. Guy Wetmore Carroll. Alrighty. Faithless Nellie Gray. I don't see this one ending well. Ben Battle was a soldier bold and used to war's alarms, but a cannonball took off his legs, so he laid down his arms. Now they, as they bore him off the field, said he let others shoot, for here I leave my second leg and the 42nd foot. 40. The army surgeons made him limbs, said he they're only pegs, but there's as wooden members quite of represent my legs. Now Ben, he loved a pretty maid. Her name was Nellie Gray. So he went to pay her his devours when he devoured his pay. 
But when he called on Nellie Gray, she made him quite a scoff. And when she saw his wooden legs, began to take them off. Oh, Nellie Gray, oh, Nellie Gray, is this your love so warm? The love that loves a scarlet coat should be more uniform. She said, I loved a soldier once, for he was blithe and brave. But I will never have a man with both legs in the grave. Before you had, before you had those timber toes, your love I did allow, but then you know you stand upon another footing now. Oh, Nellie Gray, oh, Nellie Gray, for all your jeering speeches, at duty's call I left my legs and batted Joe's breeches. Why, then, she said, you've lost the feet of legs in war's alarms, and now you cannot wear your shoes upon your feats of arms. Oh, false and fickle Nellie Gray, I know why you refuse, though I've no feet, some other man is standing in my shoes. I wish I ne'er seen your face, but now a long farewell, for you will be my death, alas, you will not be my Nell. Now when he went from Nellie Gray, his heart was, his heart so heavy got, and life was such a burden grown, it made him take a knot. So round his melancholy neck, a rope he did entwine, and for his second time in life enlisted in the line. One end he tied around a beam, and then removed his pegs, and as his legs were off, of course he soon was off his legs. And there he hung till he was dead as any nail in town, for though distress had cut him up, it could not cut him down. A dozen men sat on his corpse to find out why he died, and they buried Ben in four crossroads with a stake in his inside. Thomas Hood. I knew that one wasn't going to end well, but I thought it was going to be like that song where the guy comes home drunk and like slowly sees somebody else's stuff in his house. Not... Not a soldier losing his legs in war. And when he realizes he's been taken. Yeah. The elderly gentleman. By the side of a murmuring stream, an elderly gentleman sat. On the top of his head was a wig, and atop of his wig was a hat. The wind blew high and blew strong as the elderly gentleman sat, and bore from his head in a trice and plunged in the river his hat. The gentleman then took his cane, which lay by his side as he sat, and he dropped in the river his wig and attempting to get out his hat. His breast it grew cold with despair, and full in his eye madness sat, so he flung in the river his cane to swim with his wig and his hat. Cool reflection at last came across while this elderly gentleman sat, so he thought he would follow the stream and look for his cane wig and hat. His head being thicker than common, or balance the rest of his fat, and in plumped the son of a woman to follow his wig, cane, and hat. George Caning. Oh no. And this is why I spent so long being like, you listener discretion is advised. Because there's all sorts of terrible things written in rhyme. Malum Opus 
Oh dear. Wait. Malamopus is the same thing as the one before, just in a different language. Well. You're gonna hear me botch this something awful. Prope ripem fluvi solus a senix silently sat. Super capitum essay his wig et wig super essay his hat. Blue Zephyrus alte acerbus doom elderly gentleman sat. Et a capite took up quite torve et in rivum projected his hat. I'm pretty sure hat is not a direct uh, Greek or Latin word. So, this feels like a very lazy translation. Tonk soft maldixit the old man. Tonk stooped from the bank where he sat. Et cum supio poked in the water. Conatus ser vare his hat. Blue Zephyrus alte et cerebus. The moment it saw him at that. Et whist his novum scratch wig and flumen along with his hat. Ab immo pectore damnavit in coerulus i dolor sat, tongue despairingly threw in his cane, naricum his wig and his hat. Lenvo. Contra bonus mores, don't swear it est wicket, you know, verbum sat. See this tale habet no other moral mehercal, you're gratis to that. James Appleton Morgan. It, it feels like it was left like half translated. Estivation. In Candent Ire, the solar splendor flames. The foley's languescent pen from arid rains. His humid front the sieve anailing wipes and dreams of airing on ventiferous ripes. Held dulce to vive occult to mortal eyes. Dorm on the herb with none to supervise. Carp the suave berries from the crescent vine and vibe the flow from longic Quadit nakine. To me also, no veritas visions come, save you exiguous pools converse vascum. No concave vast repeats like the tender hue that leaves my milk jug with celestial blue. I'm sorry, some of these words I'm just looking at and going, how am I? How? I'm not smart enough. Me wretched, let me cur to quercine shades, a founder albed hosts, lactiferous maids, oh might I vole to some umbrageous chump. Depart, be off, exceed, evade, a rump. O.W. Holmes. Oh, this one. Maybe better or worse. 
and I did not almost take down my background. A holiday task. Air Julian's polka. Oh. Um. I apologize. We're apparently just in a section that is meant for me to stumble through. Queen Nunc Dancere Vultmodo wants to dance in the fashion O. Desere Debit ought to know Kikare Flor Cum Heel Let Toe. One, two, three, hop with me, Whirligig Twirligig Rapide. Polkum Jongeri Virgo this, will you join the polka, miss? Libris most willingly. Sika gimas, then let us try. Nunc vide, skip with me. Whirl about, roundabout. Celere. Tum levo, sito, tum dextra. First to the left, and then to other way. A spice retro in vulto. You look at her, and she looks at you. Das Palmum change hands, ma'am Soler, run away just in shame. Gilbert Abbott a Beckett. Wire Rex Jersey. I don't speak enough languages for this. Wire Rex Jersey lends at school vidit in meadow, in festum mule. Ile approaches O Magnus sorrow, queret skyward. Funa said morrow. Moral. Qui vidit a thing non I well known est bene for him relinquied loan. Anonymous. The little peach. Un petit peche dans un orchard floret attends a mon narration triste. Una petite peche verdante floret. Grace a chalor de soleil Et moisture de miste, il florit, il florit, attende a mon narration triste. Signes dores pole du petit chon et sa swear su, et la peche duan verdant hue, que florit, que florit, attende mon narration triste. Anonymous. Manziomiente. Manziomiente ale en has just confondement. Il ne le pont pas encore travaud. Je crois c'est même mollet. Manziomiente, je le répète. Alet jusqu'à jusqu'à fin de mer habillé dans à sa mouillère. Costume. Also anonymous. I'm assuming those are French. But. I'm not good at this. Ye lay of ye woodpecker. Pecor. Ye lay of ye woodpecker. Picus erythrocephalus. Oh, whither goest thou, pale student within the wood, so fur? Art on the chokesome cherry bent, do seek the chestnut burr, pale student. Oh, it is not for the mellow chestnut that I so far am come, nor yet for puckery cherries, but for cypripedium. Tiggy, my camera is not for you to scratch on. 
A blossom hangs the choke cherry and eke the chestnut burr, and though a silly fell must be, thou redhead would peck air. Picus erith rusophallus. Turn back, turn back, thou pale student, nor in the forest go. There lurks beneath his bosky tent the deadly mosquito. And there the wooden chuck doth tread, and from the oak tree's top, the red, red squirrels on thy head, the frequent acorn drop. As somebody who lives with in a place full of uh, squirrels and chipmunks, yes, yes they do. Pale student, the wooden chuck is next of kin unto the woodpecker. Last I checked, the woodchuck is a groundhog. Completely different. I fear not thine ill-boding din, and why should I fear her? What thou a score of acorns drop, and squirrels fur be red, tis not so ruddy as thy top, so scarlet as thy head. Oh, rarely blooms the cypress diem upon its stalk, and like a torch it shines to me adown the dark wood walk. Oh, joy to pluck it from the ground, to view the purple sack, to touch the cecil stigmas round, and shall I then turn back? The picus erythopocephalus. Oh, black and shining is the log that feeds the sumptuous weed, nor stone is found, nor bedding log where foot may well proceed. Midmost it glimmers in the mire like jackal lanthorn's spark, lighting with phosphorescent fire the green umbrageous dark. There, while thy thirsty glances drink the fair and baneful plant, thy shoon within the ooze shall sink and eat uh, thine either plant. Pant. Pale student. Give o'er, give o'er, thou woodpecker, the bark upon the tree, thou at thy will mayst peck and bore, but peck and bore not me. Full two long hours I've searched and twound in sooth be rum, if I should now go back without the cypridinium. Picus erythocephalus. Farewell, farewell, but this I tell to thee, thou pale student. Ere dews have fell, thou rue it well, that woodward thou didst went. Then whilst thou blow blows the drooping nose and whips the pensive eye, there where the sad sim Blacaris furtis grows, then think, oh, think of I. Loud flouted there that student right white soul Warnage for to hear, I scorn, old hen, thy threats of might, and eke thine ill gramere. Go peck the lice, or green or red, that swarm the basewood tree, but wag no more thine addled head, nor clack thy tongue at me. The woodpeck turned to wet her beak, the student heard her drum, as though the wood he went to seek, the cypridinium. Alas, and for the pale student, the evening bell did ring, and down the walk the freshmen went unto the prayer meeting. Upon the fence loud rose the song, the weak, weak tea was o'er. Ha, who is he that sneaks along into South Middle's door? The mud was on his shoon and o, the briar was in his thumb, his staff was in his hand, but no, no cypridium. Henry A. Beers. The collusion between an alligator and a water snake. 
Or, actually, I need to start using this uh, spelling for snake. S-N-A-I-K. What a snack. There is a Nilin on a river line which runs into Galtimoli, a warm country, lying near the tropics, covered with sand. Here and there, a symptom of a willow, hanging of it some bridges, limbs, and branches over the clear stream meandering far below. This was the home of the now silent alligator, when not in his other element confined, here he would set upon his eggs, asleep with one eye observant of flies and other passing objects. Ooh, how old is this? Because spelling has changed a lot. A while it kept uh, going on, so fearless of danger was the happy alligator. But alas, in uh, Neville hour, he was forced to wake. That dream of bliss was too sweet for him. One morning the sun arose with unsool splendor, which also did our alligator. Coming from the water, his scales a flinging of the rays of sun of the sun back to the fountain hedge with head, which that originally sprung from, but having not had nothing to eat for some time, he was sleepy and gaped in a short time wildly. Unfolding soon a wealth of pearl-white teeth, the rays of the sun soon shed his sinister eye because of their mortal splendor and warmth. The evil hour, which I said, was now come, evidently a good chance for a water snake of the large species, which soon appeared into the horizon near the bank where reposed calmly in sleep the alligator before spoken of. About sixty feet was his length, not the gator, and he was apparently a well-proportioned snake. When he was all ashore, he glared upon the island with approval, but was soon astonished with the view and lost to wonder from Watts, for just then he began to see the alligator. Being a natural enemy, of his, and he worked himself into a fury, also in thy position. Before the alligator well could open his eye, in other words, perceive his danger, the snake had enveloped his body just nineteen times with folds voluminous and vast, from Milton, and had tore off several scales in the confusion, besides squeezing him awfully into his stomach. Just then, by a fortunate turn in his affairs, he seized into his mouth the careless tail of the unreflecting water snake. Grown desperate, he, finding that his tail was fast squeezed, terrible while they rolled over the inland island. It was well-conducted affair. No noise disturbed the harmony of the scene, except Uncta Willow was snapped in two by the rolling. Each of the combatants hadn't a mint for hollering minute for hollering. So the conflict was naturally tremendous, but soon by great force the tail was bit completely off. But the exoration was too much for his delicate constitution. He felt a compression unto his chest and generally over his body. When he escaped his breathing, 
It was with great difficulty that he felt inspired again once more. Of course the state must suffer a revolution. So the alligator gave but one yell and expired. The water snake reeled himself off and survived for say 10 minutes. The condition of his foe. Then wondering what made his tail hurt, he slowly went off for to cool. J.W. Morris. Okay. O to a crocus. Celestial apology. I can read. I promise I can read. Odd to a crocus. This is literally spelled O D D T O A C R O K I S. I'm assuming that's supposed to be crocus and not like crocus, like crocodile. We shall soon find out. Celestial Apoli, which didst inspire the souls of Burns and pop with sacred fire. Cast thy mantle over me when I shall sing the praise of a sweet flower who grows in spring, which has of late come under the focus. I'm going to assume that it was supposed to be sweet flower and not sweat flower because it's W-S-E-A-T. Focus of my eyes. Sorry. It started a new paragraph halfway through a sentence. It is called a crocus. Yes, it is a crocus. It's supposed to be the flower. Good. Sweet, lovely, pretty little sweet thing. You bloometh before the larics on high sing. Thy leaves are neither red nor yelly, but just betwixt the two, you hardly felly. You hardy felly. I fear you'll yet be nipped with the frost. I mean, that's true. That's how we know spring is coming, because we've got crocuses uh, popping out of the snow up here. As many a one has known to, to their cost, you should have not come out in such a hurry. As this is only the month of Feb... Of February. I need to read to you how they spelled February. Because as terrible a spelling as we currently have... Who? F-E-W-R-Y-W-U-R-R-E-Y. February. And you may expect much bad weather when all your blades will crunkle up like burnt leather. Alas, alas, there's men which tries to rhyme who have like you come out before their time. The moral of my peace depend upon it. Is good so I end my odd or sonnet. Anonymous. Some verses to snakes. This is an even better spelling. S-N-A-I-X. Prodigious reptile, long and scaly cuss. You are the... 
the dreadest biggest thing I ever see that could tie itself into a double bow. Not and come all straight again in a minute or so. Without winking or something to experience any particular pain in the diaphragm. Stupendous insect, marvelous animal. You are no doubt 7,000 years old and have a considerable of a family sneaking round through the tall grass in Africa. Skipping that sentence. And wishing they were bigger. In case the reason I skipped it was because they were eating something that rhymes with bigger. And that not okay. I wonder how big you was when you was a infant, about two feet long. I expect you was a pretty good size and lived on frogs and lizards and pollywogs and such things. You are having a nice time now anyhow. Hey, hey, that's always been a word. Except this was spelled E-N-N-Y-H-O-W. Don't have nothing to do but lay off. And act cats and rabbits and stick out your tongue and twist your tail. I wonder if you ever swallowed a man without talking of his buttes. If there was brass buttons on his coat, I suppose you had to swallow a lot of buttonholes and a shoe hammer to knock the soles of the boots and drive in the tacks so that they wouldn't cut your inside. I wonder if vittles taste good all the way down. I expect so, at least for six or seven feet. You are so mighty long, I should think of your tail was cold. Your head wouldn't know it till the next day, but it's hard to tell. Snakes is snakes. Anonymous. That one's got so many problems in it. Alright, one more. Yeah, one more. Ooh, I lost my place. A great man. He muses poor the pitying fear for polio snatched away. For had he lived another day, he had not died today. Oh, were he born to bless mankind in virtuous times of yore, heroes themselves had fallen behind whenever he went before. How sad the groves and plains appear and sympathetic sheep, even pitying hills would drop a tear if hills could learn to weep. His bounty and exalted strain each bard might well display, since none implored relief in vain that went relieved away. And hark, I hear the tuneful throng his obsequies be forbid. He still shall live, shall live as long as ever dead man did. Oliver Goldsmith. You know what? Why not let's go for another one? Maybe I shouldn't. An elegy on the glory of her sex, Mrs. Mary Blaze. Good people all with one accord lament for Madame Blaze, who never wanted a good word from those who spoke her praise. The needy seldom passed her door and always found her kind. She fairly lent to all the poor who left a pledge behind. She strove the neighborhood to please with manners wondrous winning and never followed wicked ways unless when she was sinning. 
A church in silks and satins new with hoop and monstrous of monstrous size. She never slumbered in her pew, but when she shut her eyes. Her love was sought, I do aver, to twenty bow and more. The king himself has followed her when she has walked before. But now her wealth and finery fled, her hangers-on cut short all. The doctors found when she was dead her last disorder mortal. Let us lament and sorrow sore, for Kent Street well may say that had she lived a twelve-month more, she had not died today. Oliver Goldsmith. They like her saying, you know, if the person had lived longer, they wouldn't have died today. No, duh. Alright. I've talked your ear off for a good 40 minutes. So we'll end there today. Thank you all very much for listening. Um, especially considering for a better portion of it. I felt like I was just mumbling through. Because I... Latin, French, Old English... Well, not Old English. Middle English. Gibberish. Or at least older than modern English. I'm so, You need to see some of the spellings of these things. And then, you know, there was all the deaths. And weird things. And yeah. Thank you for putting up with this. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all of you. You know, like, subscribe, comment, follow, review. Um... I will start reading reviews if I ever get any, but, um, nobody's giving me a review. So, it would be appreciated if you did any of that stuff. Share with a friend. It'll get me and more people's ears, though today was not a good, um, good example of that. But anyways, thank you again, and for those of you that visualize, you got an upper kitty! I told you if you get this far, you get a kitty. Kitty, 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 kitty. Do I need to be cleaned? Alright. Oh, I've got another cat. Hi, Esther. Hi. You got a twofer. Alright. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy. I don't know when this is going to be uploaded because my internet is awful. <laughs>